Whispering Streets. on their own two feet. But other men are leaners. Don Stillman was a leaner, and Brooke Anton, who loved him, was very patient about his complaints and alibis. Don came to her one evening, tragic-eyed, desperate. He dropped into a chair in her little living room and buried his head in his hands. She came over to stand beside him, and her slim fingers ruffled his hair. What is it, Don? Brooke, I'm tired. Understanding, no human sympathy, no intelligence. Did you stay away from work? Only one day. You didn't say anything about it, did you? I didn't think it was necessary. Which day? Monday. Yesterday? Today's Tuesday, naturally. Yesterday was Monday. I woke up with a headache. I had a cold. You were able to go to the theater last night. My boss gave me a pair of tickets and you were delighted. You didn't say anything about a headache or a cold. For crying out loud, Brooke, I got over my headache during the day. Cold was only a touch of the sniffles. I was all right when night came. Monday's a bad day to stay away from work. When somebody stays away from work on a Monday in our office, my boss always says, hungover, uh, too much weekend. All right, all right. Pick on me. Agree with the boss. I was wrong. I should be kicked around. Darling, darling, I love you. You know I do. Nobody's kicking you around. I'm very well acquainted with your migraine headaches. They make you a ghastly amount of trouble. But even so, dear... Did you call the office and say you were staying up? I didn't wake up till around noon. I thought then it was too late to call. I figured a call would only draw attention to my staying up. So you overslept. But I thought it was a headache. You weren't with me on Sunday night, Don. How did you happen to stay up so late you overslept? Well, what is this, a cross-examination? No. Yes, it is. What did you do on Sunday night, Don? Audrey Mills called me on Sunday afternoon. I'd been alone all day. You went to the country. I was at loose end. I went to the country to see my grandmother, who was ill. So you were at Audrey's, and she kept you up until all hours? I stayed of my own accord. She didn't keep me up. Pleasant to be with a girl who's feminine and sympathetic. Sometimes I think Audrey understands me better than you do, Brooke. At least she never tries to trap me. You knew Audrey long before you knew me. You made the switch of your own accord, darling. This is the fourth job you've lost in six months. And every time you've lost a job, it's been for a foolish reason. You call a headache and a cold a foolish reason? I call being absent without leave a foolish reason. Soldiers get court-martialed for being AWOL. Employees get fired from their jobs. You're attractive, Don. Thanks a lot. And you have great charm. You've always been able to get a new job some way or other. But the time will come when you discover that new jobs don't grow on trees. I've sympathized with you after the finish of every job. I've agreed that the boss was a beast. I've agreed that you were put upon, that the personnel manager didn't understand you. But enough's enough, Don. How are we ever going to get married if you can't hold a job? I ask you, how? And when? I didn't think you were in such a hurry to be married. Well, I am. I'm 30, Don. I'd like to give up my job sometime and 
feel that a man I loved was going to support me and our children. Oh, that's all a woman thinks about. Being supported and having a raft of children. Well, this is a bad night to turn on me, Brooke. Darling, I'm not turning on you. I've just said that I love you. But I think I've been too soft with you. You do. Yes, I do. You've told me how your mother always let you get away with murder. How you could stay home from school whenever you felt like it. But business isn't school. From now on, I'm going to stop sympathizing with you, Don. If you're lucky enough to get another job, I'm going to see that you keep it. Or else. Yes. Or else what? Or else our engagement is off. If you feel that way, Brooke, why do you wait until I get my problematical next job? Why don't you break our engagement as of now? In just a moment, Betty Davis will be back again. But first, this guy was talking to child line, see? He said that uh, service time counts toward Social Security and retirement pay at the same time. So I checked into it. You know something? <laughs> I was right. But just as military service retirement has certain requirements, so does Social Security. It takes 20 years of service to qualify for military retirement. But it takes only 10 years to qualify for Social Security. Although servicemen did not begin paying Social Security taxes until January 1957, all active military service from 1951 can be counted toward both military service retirement and Social Security, but only if the serviceman has been on active duty any time after January of 1957. But remember, you can't start collecting your Social Security until you're 65. However, servicewomen can start collecting at age 62. Have you investigated your Social Security benefits? And now, back to our story with Betty Davis. Brooke Anton did love Don Stillman deeply and dearly. But she drew away from him. Her hand slipped from his shoulder. She crossed to the window and stood staring down at the busy street below. She didn't want Don to know that her eyes were filled with tears. After a moment, she spoke without turning. If you want me to break our engagement, Don, I will. It's up to you. I didn't say I wanted you to break our engagement. But I will say this, Brooke. You've changed since we became engaged. You aren't the soft, sweet, gentle girl you used to be. Tonight, for instance, when I need sympathy and comfort, you needle me, try to pull me down. I'm not needling you or trying to pull you down. It's just that I'm tired of patting you on the back, Don, when you deserve a spanking. Okay, then. We're no longer engaged. You can run along to Audrey. I'm sure she'll be both a cushion and a crutch to me. Both of which I need. Thanks for reminding me. Thanks also for the suggestion. So long, Brooke. Be on my way. So long, Don. You needn't show me to the door. I, uh, I can find my way out. Yes. I'm sure you can. Bye, Brooke. It was nice while it lasted. It was very nice. <laughs> 
and that Don was planning to take his vacation in California so that he could be with Audrey. Brooke told herself that she hoped they'd be married on the West Coast and stay out there so she wouldn't have to see them together or separately for the rest of her life. She started going out with the star salesman in the office where she worked. He was a go-getter from way back. You're my sort of girl, Brooke. I'd have taken you out years ago, except that you were supposed to be engaged. I was engaged. It was more than a supposition. Why did you break off? The man I love was dead on the weak side. Then good for you. I hate weaklings. That's the trouble with most salesmen. They go around saying, yes, sir, and no, sir, buttering everyone up. But when I sell a bill of goods, I beat down the opposition. Yes, sir. I guess you do. I was getting all ready to beat down the opposition as far as you're concerned, Brooke. It's, uh, <laughs> sort of frustrating to know there isn't any opposition. <laughs> Aren't you the one? I hope I'm the one. Oh, you're swell, Brooke. You and I are the same kind of people. You, you said that before. Oh, don't kiss me, George. Please don't. Why not? I'm not ready for kissing other men. What do you mean, you're not ready? can't start kissing a new man until you've recovered from the old one. Oh, now, wait a minute. You'd recovered from that guy the minute you gave him his walking papers. You're sweet to kiss, Brooke. Sweet. Yep. You're my sort of girl. I'm not your sort of girl. I don't want to be mauled and dragged around. You're not selling me a bill of goods. But I am, honey. You'll see. <laughs> just a moment, Betty Davis will be back. Did you know that two brothers once ran against each other for the same office? In 1886, Robert and Alfred Taylor both campaigned for governor of Tennessee. The contest was called the War of the Roses because the two candidates wore roses of different colors during their campaigning so their followers could tell them apart. Robert won the election. But 34 years later, Alfred got his chance to serve as governor of Tennessee. These two men have added another page to your political history. And now, back to our story with Betty Davis. Brooke pulled herself out of the arms of the star salesman. They were in the vestibule of the house in which she had her apartment. She edged her way through the door before George could get her foot in it. She raced up the two flights of stairs to her apartment and opened the door. And, coming to a sudden decision, she made her way to the phone and dialed the number. Two moments later, she was talking to Don's landlady. This is Miss Anton, Mrs. Burley. Look, has Don given up his room for keeps? Oh, I see. In two weeks? Did he leave any forwarding address, Mrs. Burley? Oh, yes, I'll be ever so grateful, if you will. The Hartford Arms, Los Angeles. Thanks a lot, Mrs. Burley. Yes, indeed, I'm feeling very well. And you? That's fine, Mrs. Burley. in front of the telephone. Don hadn't given up his room. That meant he was coming back east after his vacation. 
Only a fool would call a man like Don long distance, particularly when he'd crossed the continent to spend his holiday with another girl. Brooke reached for the phone and again lifted the receiver. Long distance? I want to put through a call to California, Los Angeles. Yes, person to person. The name's Mr. Don Stillman. Yes, he's staying at the Hartford Arms. I'm sorry, but I don't know the street address. I'm sure, though, that it's in the local phone book. Yes, I'll hold the line. No, operator, I wasn't talking to you. I was talking to myself. I can still cancel the call. I'm being weak, weaker than he is. No, operator. I'm still talking to myself. Once again, Brooke was having luncheon with her best friend, Hazel. Once again, she was pouring out her heart and neglecting her food. Hazel listened, nodding at intervals. And finally... So you called him and they told you he checked out, huh? Yes. What does that mean, Hazel? Could mean he's on his way home. According to his landlady, he isn't expected home for two weeks. I talked to her before I called California. Oh, I see. Well, could be he's married to Audrey. I've thought of that. The situation hasn't changed, Brooke. It's just as well you didn't get him on the phone. How can you say that? How can I avoid saying it? He's still weak. He's still an eight-job-a-year man. What do you mean, an eight-job-a-year man? Well, you said yourself he'd lost four jobs in six months. Well, twice four is eight a year. I hadn't looked at it that way. But I love him so much, Hazel, that he can lose a job every month if he wants to. That's even worse. That's 12 years. 12 or 24. It doesn't matter, Hazel. I love him so much, I'll do anything to get him away from Audrey. Unless, of course, he's already married to her. Being kissed by another man made me realize that Don's the only one I love. And what is it? Your eyes are bulging out of your head. Look over your shoulder. Quick. There's Don standing in the doorway of the restaurant. It's of angels. Brooke, put your head down. You look like you're going to faint. They were walking through the park, hand in hand. Twilight had wrapped them in a soft gray blanket. One lavender gray blanket for two people. John was talking vehemently. The best job I ever had. And I went AWOL because Audrey wanted me to stay out there in California. I made good at my last job. I was darn interested in it. I was going places. I'm sure you And I, I hope now that the boss would take me back. I suppose I could go to him and eat humble pie. It might do some good. It might. And if I went with you and told him that you're engaged to be married... No, no, honey. Stand on my own feet. What's changed you? I guess Audrey was too willing to have me lean on her shoulder and cry on it. I guess a man doesn't want to lean on a girl he doesn't love. And I guess when he loves a girl enough... She sort of wants to live up to her ideal. That is, when he's found himself. 
You don't sound like the guy I used to know, Don. Hmm. Thank heaven for that. I was a spoiled kid when we busted up, honey, but when I began to miss you, I... I realized that I'd have to... What is it, Brooke? You stopped dead in the middle of the path. I just remembered. What, darling? When I saw you standing in the doorway of the restaurant, I completely forgot about everything. I just went off with you, darling. Then why not? I didn't phone my boss, and I was supposed to attend a conference with him this afternoon and take notes. I'm the only one who can take notes for him at a conference. He talks so darn fast. The only one that is, except a little cat in the outer office who's been after my job ever since she came to work for the firm. Oh, Don, I bet when I go in tomorrow, I'll hear that I've been fired. So? What if you have? I'll starve. I won't be able to pay my rent. You'll eat. Have a roof over your head, darling. Don't worry. If I get my job back, I can take care of you. And if I don't get it back, there'll be another. Are you laughing or crying? Oh, darling. I think I'm having hysterics. But there are a new kind of hysterics because I'm completely happy. remember, or she'll be in constant hot water. Until then, this is Betty Davis saying goodbye from the Whispering Today's program was written by Margaret E. Sankster. Featured in the cast were Barbara Fuller, Eddie Firestone, Barbara Eiler, and Sam Edwards. Whispering Streets was directed by Gordon T. Hughes and produced by Ted Lloyd. Your announcer is Hugh Douglas. Streets has come to you through the worldwide facilities of the United States Armed Forces Radio and Television Service.